I will never, no, never forsake. You know, you can go to the bank with that one. Seriously. What can befall you, church? What can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing in all creation. Those whom God justifies, He also sanctifies. He's going to bring you all the way home. He who began the good work in you is faithful. He will complete it. He's not a quitter. I will quit on you. Elders will quit on you. Jesus Christ never, ever, 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 ever will quit on his bride. Oh, beloved, what a faithful God we serve. Would you please turn in his holy word to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. We're going to be looking at just one verse uh, this morning. The last time we were together in Colossians, before we took our little sabbatical, if you will, to Genesis, kind of setting the groundwork and the foundation for understanding the Christian home, we come now to Colossians where Paul picks up on verse 17 of chapter 3 where he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Today, beginning in verse 18, we begin to unpack exactly the nuts and bolts of the Christian life as lived out in the Christian home. And today we're going to look at the, uh, the role of the wife. The befitting wife is what I've entitled the sermon. I would encourage you, there are a couple of great books out there, one by Christopher Ash, Kevin DeYoung, and Jim Neuheiser uh, on this very subject. They're very helpful. They were helpful for me in formulating my own thoughts. I can't commend them highly enough. Uh, but the befitting wife, right? There's nothing controversial here for the pastor uh, this morning. This is easy peasy. Well, it's not easy peasy in all seriousness, right? We need to seek the Father's face. Uh, and one thing about the Word of God, it's clear. You're not going to be, there's no ambiguity. It's not, what does that mean? I think it's extremely clear what God expects of the, the Christian wife. May he give us grace now as we go to his Word. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we do pray and ask that you would bless the words of my mouth, the meditation of our heart. You give me clarity, cogency, and courage, and compassion to preach Christ in all of his fullness. How he has called the Christian wife to submit to her husband in Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. That she lives and dies in the shadow of the cross, as all believers do. But today we particularly look at the Christian wife. We pray it would be informative, encouraging to all that we would come afresh to the cross for ourselves and seek and find forgiveness in Jesus Christ and his finished work. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you that you have instructed us in all that we need for life and godliness. There's no area of our Christian life that's found wanting by lack of instruction. Your word is truth. Now sanctify us by it, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pick up with chapter 317 through chapter 318. And whatever you do, Christian, you have been crucified in Jesus Christ, buried and raised with him as new creation, as Levi reminded us. Whatever you do in word or deed, do Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, or becoming, or suitable, or proper in the Lord. 
In Proverbs 30, 18 through 19, the words of Agur, the wise man, one of my favorite chapters, and one of the more sublime chapters in all of the Word of God, the wise man looks around at the world and he's filled with wonder. He's filled with awe. This is what he says, chapter 30, 18 through 19. Three things are too wonderful for me, for I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship on the high seas. And the way of a man with a virgin. The first three, the eagle that soars in the sky, you can go down to the James River and watch and see the beauty, the elegance of the eagle as it soars on those warm winds coming off the river. You can go to the river and also see a snake as I did yesterday and marvel at just the, the mystery of a snake. It was climbing a tree. Black snakes. Catherine and I were watching it just vertically climb this tree. And you're thinking, how does this work? Well, the way of a ship on the sea, right? It's massive. And yet it is nothing compared to the mighty sea. Even the largest aircraft carrier, right? Nothing compared to the magnificence and the power of the sea. And yet all three of these set the stage for the fourth, the way of a man with a virgin. You see, as great as the first three are, none of them compare to this last analogy, this, this last metaphor, the, the way of a man with his wife, the, the way of husband and wife. For the wise man, this is truly mysterious and beyond his understanding. The wise man knows there's nothing, or excuse me, there is something about the opposite sex that's deeply mysterious. Many a poet have marveled at the mystery of love, and the power of love. When a man loves a woman, there's songs, right? We sing that speak to this. Beloved, this is why we need the Word of God, do we not? We need the North Star of the Creator's intention and design for how the, the two sexes, male and female, husband and wife, are to relate, how they're interdependent upon one another. We need his blueprint. You see, many in our culture and elite, our cultural elite and academic circles today view the Bible's prescription for husbands and wives as archaic. Maybe some of you do, and, and find it fundamentally oppressive particularly to the wife. What you, what, 2022, and you're talking about submission? Bullock, what are you doing? In this age of the Me Too movement and all the abuse scandals circulating, there was even one last week, I believe the Southern Baptist Convention came out with their report. It was horrendous and heinous. Surely we can't expect people to believe what some ancient book tells us. You Christians, your book. What Paul is doing here, one commentator said in Colossians 3, 
18 and calling the wives to submit to their husbands is promoting patriarchal violence. Right? Your words are violent now. Right? You lose truth. Everything's subjective. You can't offend anyone because everyone is their own God, doing what's right in their own eyes. Dare you offend and have the battle of the gods. It goes on, everything in the Bible says is designed to keep the subordinate in their place, to maintain the status quo in a culture of patriarchy. This is what we hear. We need to be set free, we're told. So the culture cries for freedom. Break off the fetters, as the philosopher would say. Break off the dogma. You can keep your dogma. Give me my freedom as I define it. And saints, what I find ironic is that while freedom is the cry that they cry, by throwing off God's blueprint and design, mankind falls further into bondage, further into captivity with the abolition of man, comes death, a, a culture of death, nihilism, emptiness, a forever black hole that leads to nowhere. Is there any hope? Yes, there is hope. There is a gospel. There's a God in heaven and He's not silent and He has spoken in His Word and He has spoken in His Holy Son. Return to me, says the Lord. Rend not your garments, but rend your hearts, O Israel. You see, church, we must return to God in His Word. We live by the Word of God. We measure every thought. We take every thought captive to it. We're not our own. We've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. It's not just rhetoric and rhetorical flair that the pastor issues. That No, that's the gospel truth. You're not your own. You have a master. You are not the captain of your own soul. Jesus Christ is the captain of your soul, if you're a Christian this morning. You have a Lord, and He's given us His design, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks. God's design for the home is a thoughtful, intelligent, gentle, submissive wife and a loving, godly, self-sacrificing, leading husband. It's that simple. There's the prescription. Simply put, His blueprint here in Colossians 3, 18-19, while we're just going to cover the wife's role this morning, men... I've got a can for you next week. Here it is. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. You don't need to search for the will of God. What is the will of God for me? Well, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God, and for me as a husband to love my wife. Me as a wife to submit to my husband. Before we look particularly at the wife's role in the marital relationship, and we look at this dreaded S word, and not sex, but submission, before we look at that word and parse it out, and what does it mean? What does it not mean? Before we look at that, I want you to notice how God's commands for the wife and the husband are given, now listen, are given at the specific point of fallenness. What do I mean? Simply this, that the command for the wife to submit 
and the husband to love are intended to reverse the curse inflicted in the garden. The gospel comes right where the nexus of the fall meets, right? The last time we saw from Genesis 3, we were together, that though the husband and wife are equal, they are different. There's a different complementary nature of the husband and wife relationship. And this relationship was distorted. We say it was, it was twisted, it was maligned, it was distorted and ripped apart, as it were, by the fall. It was twisted. The blueprint from Genesis 1 and 2 was that Eve was to be Adam's helper and Adam was to lead. But sin contaminated and infected God's good design. So now we live east of Eden. We're exiled, as it were, from God's holy presence. Alienated from God, from each other, and from His creation. Things are not the way they ought to be, as Alvin Plantinga says in his wonderful book by that title. The Holy Spirit here in Colossians 3 were given in Jesus Christ these commands to reverse the effects of the curse, right? Grace restores, now listen, grace restores God's original blueprint for husbands leading and wives helping and submitting to their husband's leadership. That's what grace does. Grace is not antithetical to nature. It restores it. It restores God's intention in the power of Jesus Christ crucified and raised. The power of His resurrection in the new creation. This is God's intention. It hasn't been abolished, but rather restored. You see, in Christ, the wife now redeemed through the Holy Spirit is to respectively submit to her husband, to serve as his helper. And likewise, the husband now redeemed in Christ, rather than domineer his wife, he sacrificially loves her by leading her, uh, by husbanding her, caring for her, protecting her. And now together in Christ as co-heirs in salvation, their marriage adorns the gospel as His images, now listen, as it images to a watching and dying culture the relationship of the living God to His people and His people's relationship to Him. We've gotten to the day and age where marriage itself is an evangelistic tool an apologetic, a defense of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the question for us is, what will will the picture of our marriages be? Will it be a lie? Will we model an image for the world, a lie about the way Christ loves His church and the church submits to Him? Or will our marriages reflect and model for the world the way Christ loves His church? The way the church humbly submits to His loving leadership? Beloved, our marriages are on display. 
for the world to see. Don't underestimate the power, the sublime power of marriage as a testimony of God's saving grace in Jesus Christ. One of the more beautiful things that I observe with my wife all the time is that when we go out in public and we watch people, I, I watch elderly couples, how they interact, interface. I'm always amazed when I see a man who, who puts on the coat of chivalry and sacrificial love and he begins to love his wife as he opens the door for her, as he helps her out. Bullock, that's so arcane. That's so yesterday. You need to get with it. Oh, beloved, I'm going to stand with the Word of God. What are you going to do? You know, I remember preaching a sermon on this very thing and talking about a wife submitting to her husband, and someone began to laugh in the congregation, mocking me even as I was testifying to the truth of God's Word. Blessed are you when men revile you and say all kinds of evil against you. We must stand for the truth. We will stand for the truth by God's Spirit. Will you stand with me? Will you pray for me that I will stand? I am praying for you that you will stand. Oh, how the world needs to see the love of God's image bearers, male and female, bearing witness to the reality of Christ and His love for the church and the church's submission to Christ. Well, notice where Paul begins. He begins with the wife. Verse 18, wives, submit to your own husbands or your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. This Greek word here for submission means to arrange under. It's a military term. It's used that way most often outside of the New Testament. The verb to submit within the New Testament in the Greek literature out is consistently used for subordination to one who's in authority. One who's been invested with authority. Unfortunately, the word has been widely misunderstood. People mistakenly think that what Paul means here is that the wife is to be a cowering servant. She's to be seen but never heard, right? She's the one who has all the, the jobs no one else wants in the house. But that's not biblical submission. You see, to submit is not a passive thing. It does not mean to be made subject or forced into subjection. As a matter of fact, submission is something we're all called to do actively and voluntarily in the various contexts of life, right? We're all called to what? Submit to the civil magistrate. The same word. What do you mean I have to submit to those clowns in Washington? Yeah, that's right. Like our pastor prayed. You need to pray for them. They have the office by God's sovereign decree. You might not like it. You might not like them personally, but you must respect the office. And you're called all to submit to the office. Cheerfully, might I add. Without plaining, complaining, and grumbling, right? Kids, that was one of the verses in our home, right? I might be submitting outside, but I'm, I'm standing inside. No. That's not the right posture. That's not the posture of one who's been circumcised of heart, one who's truly been born of the Spirit. We're called as church members to submit to the elders. We're called as children to submit to parents. The same word. 
You see, we all are called to submit in the various contexts, providentially, where God has placed us. We're called to actively and deliberately submit to those whom God has placed over us. The Lord Jesus Christ and His capacity, now listen, His capacity as the God-man submits to the Father. I've not come to do my will, but the will of whom? My Father, who's in heaven. Christ, in accomplishing salvation, submitted himself to the Father's will in the economy of redemption. Philippians 2.8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself. God of God, very God of God, humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death to please the Father, co-equal with the Father. One with the Father and the Spirit humbled Himself in the economy of redemption, pleasing the Father. Again, Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven three. 3, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. You see, church, submission is not a dirty word. We shouldn't be ashamed of Submission. We shouldn't be ashamed to speak it in this godless and lawless and anti-authoritarian age in which we live. You see, when submission is biblically understood, it's a beautiful thing. Beloved, as we submit to the authorities God has placed over us, it's an expression of our submission to the triune God. It's a recognition that God has put order into society for our good as a common grace. Do you know that if God did not delegate men with authority to wield the sword, can you imagine the evil that would be rampant? It's bad enough as it is. When God were to remove his hand, like in the days of Noah, as he removes his common grace, as it were, and men are turned over to themselves... You think it's bad enough that they barely stop at red lights now? Can you imagine if there was no constraining common grace to restrain the perversity and the wickedness that resides in the human fallen heart? My heart, your heart, apart from Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the anarchy and just how dark, how evil it would be? Let me say this because I want to say this, because it's very important that I do. Beloved, only God's authority is absolute. There are always limits to delegated authorities in that we must obey God rather than people if the two are in conflict. That's what we see over and over again in Acts, right? You can't preach. I have to preach. I have to preach Jesus Christ and crucified. I cannot be silent. God commands me. I have to obey God rather than men. You see, Scripture nowhere obligates a wife, as we think about the context of husband and wife, Scripture nowhere obligates a wife to endure or submit to abuse or sexual unfaithfulness. If you are in this position of one who's being abused, one who's been cheated on by your spouse, you need to come and speak with me. 
You need to talk with the elders. You need to seek godly wisdom from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as that's expressed in the governing authorities, that is, the session. Come to us. Speak to us. Well, let me go on. That's a sermon in itself. But with this biblical understanding of submission in place, what are the responsibilities in marriage? Kevin Young says this, Wives, in submitting to their husbands, ought to support, respect, and follow them as to the Lord. Notice the motivation, as to the Lord. Paul says here in 3.18 in Colossians, it's fitting in the Lord. Right? There's, a, there's a, something proper about it. There's a sense of propriety about it. It's, it's right and beautiful and glorious in God's eyes when a Christian wife submits to that sinner saved by grace man that God has given her. That's a beautiful thing in the eyes of the triune God. It's befitting. It's what a Christian woman does. You see, the Christian woman's submission has at its center Jesus Christ. And submission is part of what it means to be a godly Christian wife. Right? <laughs> Again, I want to be careful here. We must understand that the wife's submission in marriage is to be a voluntary and joyful submission, not an enforced one. Right? The Christian wife submits to her husband as the church lovingly submits to Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the Bible is a husband told to make sure his wife submits. I've been in homes where I've heard men say that to their wives. You need to submit to me. Beloved, the wife's submission is to be a glad and willful, willing submission. Husbands, we cannot demand submission. If you're walking around in your home having to remind everybody you're in charge... I got a little secret for you. You're not in charge. You're not. You're not. You're weak. Extremely weak. Jeff Thomas says this. He says this to husbands. This is a man who pastored the same church for 50 years in Wales. Losing your family is a horrible price to pay for being correct. Right? Demanding it. Being harsh, unloving, exasperating your children, bitterness, harshness towards your wife. Well, let's parse out the young statement. Those three things. Support her husband, respect her husband, follow her husband. If I haven't got fired yet, I'm going to get fired as I go forward. First, the submissive wife will support her husband. Ladies, let me speak to you. Those of you who are married, young ladies, who one day, God willing, in God's providence, according to his decree, will be married. God made you to be your husband's helper. To be your husband's helper. So come alongside of him as he pursues his Christ-centered calling as a husband, as a father, as a provider. Look for ways to support him in his calling. Thank him 
Verbally say thank you to your husbands. Thank them for their leadership. Thank them for their sacrificial love as they lay down their lives and toil for you and for the family in Christ. And I know this is not very PC. Vocation is to take priority over the wife's vocation. I don't know how you can make sense of some of the exhortations of Paul in the pastoral epistles unless you understand that premise. And I would add, while I believe his vocation takes priority, I would add this, that in principle, I don't believe the Bible is against the wife, the mother working outside of the home. Why do I say that? Because I read Proverbs 31. Have you read that recently? Go home today and read it. Proverbs 31, get this, the woman, she's acquiring real estate. She's planting vineyards. She's selling merchandise. She's up before sunrise and her lamp does not go out at night. I get exhausted reading it. Who is this woman? Well, of course, it's the ideal woman, right? The ideal woman that's held out for us to image, to, to aspire toward in the power of the Holy Spirit as those who've died in Christ and been raised with Christ, who have the Holy Spirit living in them, part of God's new humanity. This is our calling, ladies. And saints, as you'll notice, as you read Proverbs 31, the godly woman does not find, excuse me, the godly woman finds her purpose and center in the husband and the taking care of her children. Even her work outside the home is always for the welfare of the home. The home is the centerpiece for the mom, for the wife. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house. Well, secondly, the submissive wife will not only support her husband, she'll respect her husband. Ladies, as your husband go out and execute the calling and their vocation, it's extremely easy for him to become discouraged, beaten down by all he's trying to do. And no one can do him more harm and more good than his wife, right? Listen to Proverbs 14.1 again. The wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down. A foolish woman can destroy her own house with her words toward her husband. Wives, and the Holy Spirit says this to us in Ephesians 5.33, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Just as the husband is called in Christ to love his wife unconditionally, the wife is called to respect her husband unconditionally, even as the church submits and respects Christ. Some wives say, I will not respect him, or I will respect him when he's worthy of respect. I'm not going to respect that man. He's not worthy of my respect. When he begins to love me the way Christ loves the church, then I'll begin to respect and submit to him. Here again, the Holy Spirit. Right? Don't take it from me. You, you might not like what I'm saying, but I'm telling you what the Word of God is saying. Listen to 1 Peter 3, speaking to that very predicament. With the believing wife married to an unbelieving, disobedient, or disobedient husband. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Word... Right? Even if they don't love you the way Christ loves the church, 
that they may be one without a word by their conduct. So wives, you can preach without using words. By your conduct, you can win your husband over. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Beloved, what we see in the New Testament is not only is the husband's part in marriage shaped by the cross, so is the wife's part. Her calling as well is Christ-shaped. The Christian wife is called in Christ to take up her cross and submit to that man God has given her. Wives, pursuing this inward beauty of submission to your husband does not demean you. It does not mean that you are a doormat, nor should you be treated as one. Wives, your husband needs your wisdom. Any man worth his salt will be extremely grateful to have such a hardworking, self-sacrificing, wise, and generous wife. They will listen to your voice. Think of David with Abigail. Can you imagine if there was no Abigail when David met Nabal? Who knows? It would have been a massacre. But Abigail, in wisdom, steps into the void and calms both of these men who are acting foolishness, foolishly. Or Priscilla and Aquila, right? Remember those two who were teachers in the church? How Aquila looked to Priscilla. Husbands, your wives are co-heirs with you. They serve beside you with equal dignity and worth in the kingdom of God. Thirdly, the submissive wife will follow her husband. While she'll not follow him and must not follow him into sin, she will willingly and joyfully follow him in the paths of righteousness. Wives, when you see their hus- your husband positively, humbly leading your family, humbly follow. When you see him taking initiative in leading in family worship, in praying, in serving, let him know how much you appreciate it. Right? It behooves us men to be men worthy of respect. They're called to respect us, yes, but it behooves us to be respectful. Men who lead, who self-sacrifice for the welfare of the family. Beware of second-guessing your husband when he makes a difficult decision for the family. While your voice should be and will be welcomed by a godly husband, encourage him in his leadership as he leads the family. For the longest time, I wasn't sure of what Peter was getting out in 1 Peter 3, 6, where he tells wives that as they submit to their husbands in Christ, they're acting as Sarah's children. He says this, he says, if you do good, not fearing anything. I couldn't make, what is he saying? Not fearing, if you do good and not fearing anything, what does he mean? Well, as I reflected on that and began to study it, I believe this is what he's getting at. That wives, as you respect and submit to that sinner saved by grace man that God gave you, God sees. God knows. God understands. And God is with you. You need not fear, right? You need not fear. You can take confidence that God is in this. He's leading you. He will guide you. He will direct you. Now let me conclude with this. Submission, submission is the path to true identity. Submission is the path to true identity. 
Some will object, right? If I submit, won't I be a doormat? It sounds demeaning. Let me give you this question. Does the church in her submission to Christ find it demeaning? Is the church any the less because she submits to Christ? Does the church find it stifling to submit to Christ? No, beloved, anything but. As the church submits to Christ, she finds not death but life. Matthew 16, 25, whoever desires to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. That's the paradox in the Christian life. If you try to hoard your life and protect it, you lose it. But if you give it for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God, what do you do? You find it. So you find your true identity when you come under the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's gentle and lowly, right? He is of heart. So take his yoke upon you. And I'll leave you with this by Christopher Ashe as well. It's a great synopsis of what I've been saying. The Christian wife deliberately adopts this beautiful attitude of submission in rebellion against all that society tells her to be. And she adopts it in spite of her husband's faults and knowing that it will sometimes cost her to do so. She will not do it because her church expects it of her or because her husband forces her but because she loves God and longs to do His will. She'll do it because she loves her Savior who gave Himself for her. Proverbs 12, 4, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. So husbands, draw near to your wives this afternoon. You're sitting right there beside her. I always want to tell you, grab her and bring her close. Let her know how much you appreciate her. Encourage her in her calling, as she encourages you in yours, as she supports you, as she respects you, as she follows you, as you follow Jesus Christ. This is precious in the sight of God, our Savior. May Christ give us grace as All Saints Reformed Presbyterian Church to be a witness to a dying world of Christ and His love for the church and the church's loving submission to Jesus Christ. We need grace. We have to live in the shadow of the cross. Now, if I've said something that's not correct, I welcome it. You bring me an open Bible and a cogent argument, you got me. But nothing can be clear, right? Christian wives, submit to your husbands, for this is fitting in the Lord. The world mocks it. Christ delights in it. It's precious in his eyes. Who cares what the world thinks? Right, Levi? Who cares? The world's going to perish. The kingdom of God belongs to the humble, the meek, those who bring themselves under the yoke of Jesus Christ. May he give us grace. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Let's pray together. Our Father, we long to come under your yoke, not just in theory, not in listening to sermons, but going out and living it out, as it were, in our duties. Lord, command what you will, grant what you command by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.